0: You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast election series. Joining us today to talk about his campaign for attorney general in the Democratic primary on September 6th before November's general election is Quentin Palfrey. Quentin has worked as an election protection attorney for nearly 20 years. In 2019, he founded Voter Protection Corps, a nonprofit that works to increase voting access in states across the country and successfully led efforts to stop voter suppression ahead of the 2020 election. Earlier in his career, he served as the first chief of health As the first chief of the healthcare division in the Massachusetts Attorney General's office, he also served in President Barack Obama's White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, working on the economy. And most recently, he served as the acting counsel for the Department of Commerce to help the Biden administration with the rollout of their Build Back Better initiative. Quentin, thank you so much for being a part of the program today. Thanks so much for having me. It's
1: a pleasure to be here.
0: When you look at your resume, why do you want to run for attorney general now? Why is this the next stop for Quentin?
1: yeah, so as an as a former Assistant Attorney General, I've seen firsthand how much impact the AG office can have on people's lives. As you mentioned, Travis, uh, I was the first Chief of the Healthcare Division at the time that we were implementing Massachusetts health reform. Uh, legislation, so we worked really hard to make sure that everyone had access to high quality affordable health care, uh, stood up for uh, consumers and workers during that critical time. We uh, brought consumer protection litigation against some unscrupulous uh, health insurers that were taking advantage of people. Um, and so I, I, I've really come to appreciate uh, the impact that the office can have, its uh, its mission of consumer protection and standing up for uh, workers' rights and, and civil rights. Um, And uh, over the last uh, few years, I've also seen um, uh, the federal government side of things. I had the honor to serve in the White House under President Obama and to serve uh, in the early part of the Biden administration. Um, And I think that uh, there's a really important role for the states in this moment in American history. Um, I think that uh, Washington is broken. And fundamentally, we do need the states uh, to lead on some of the most important issues.
0: What is one aspect from your very impressive qualifications that really sets you apart from the other candidates who are also uh, seeking the role of attorney general this fall?
1: So thanks for that question. I think it's really about experience. You think about um, the kinds of qualifications that the Attorney General has typically had in Massachusetts. We've generally had a lawyer with considerable experience uh, leading government lawyers. We've either had district attorneys uh, for many years or most recently we've had a senior attorney um, in the Attorney General's office who really knows the office very well. Um, And I think that my experience um, as uh, a chief of a division in the Attorney General office and somebody who understands uh, the impact that the AG's office ha- can have. and also um, the work that I did uh, under President Biden leading a team of several hundred lawyers, uh, roughly the same size and scope of the, uh, of the office uh, that, that, that similar to the AG office, I think it puts me in a position to uh, lead on day one. Um, and to be able to use the office uh, to drive uh, forward a, a mission of protecting consumers and workers and fighting for civil rights.
0: And when you look at some of the issues that you mentioned beforehand, you know what do you feel is the biggest issue that's not currently being addressed by the current attorney general's office?
1: So first of all, I would say that Maura Healey has been a terrific attorney general. She's used the office extremely effectively. Um, and one of the things that I think that she does, did really well uh, was fight back against a corrupt and immoral Trump administration. Uh, um, she filed uh, many, many lawsuits, very effectively uh, pushing back against uh, that uh, that corrupt regime. Uh, at the same time, I think that the transition to a much more um, uh, progressive uh, and sta- and sane administration creates an opportunity for us to focus our attention a little bit more. Uh, on um, some of the bread and butter issues in Massachusetts and gives us an opportunity uh, to take a fresh look at uh, at consumer protection and uh, workers' rights and civil rights issues here at home. Um, I, I also think that there's an opportunity for the AG office uh, to play a little bit more of a watchdog function, overseeing entities uh, like the state police looking into local corruption, uh, making sure that we are uh, making sure that when people run for office, they're they're doing so consistent with the law. So I think that there are some opportunities um, for us to shift our focus uh, a little bit to uh, issues that affect Massachusetts consumers. But that's more a function of the time period that we're entering into. At least for the first two years of the new attorney general's term, uh, we will uh, be within the Biden administration. And so I I think that uh, we won't need to spend as much of our energy pushing back against the federal government.
0: We've seen a lot of news about those who've been accused of exploiting pandemic resources from, from the state or taking advantage of the consumers that you mentioned we need to protect. How do you propose that we address these two pandemic challenges?
1: So, first of all, I think that the pandemic has exposed so many of the challenges that people face accessing healthcare. Uh, You know, I think that a lot of people are falling behind in this economy. And so we need an AG uh, to stand up uh, for consumers and for workers to try to help build an economy that works for everyone, not just at the top of the income spectrum. I think that we need, uh, for instance, a fair share amendment that would uh, ask the very wealthiest people to uh, give a little more and invest in Um, transportation and and education and build a a broader based economic recovery. We need to make sure uh, that we are keeping healthcare costs uh, low. Um, and uh, you know, pushing back against pharmaceutical companies that overcharge um, uh, consumers, pushing back against insurance companies that are excluding various kinds of uh, uh, conditions from their coverage. So I think that there's a lot that we can do um, to help make the economy work better uh, for for everybody. Um, I think that housing costs are extremely high, and uh, that's something that the AG office um, has a lot of uh, power to bring consumer protection and civil rights cases in the housing uh, space. Student loan debt is crippling uh, many people, many families uh, delaying having uh, family, delaying buying houses. We've certainly, uh, I've met uh, senior citizens who are carrying student loan debt into retirement, Um, and so I think that uh, the AG is a very powerful voice uh, for Uh, that kind of economic fairness Um, another issue that we've spent a lot of time talking about on the trail uh, has been the issue of wage theft um, and some of the uh, ways in which workers misclassify uh, uh, employers misclassify workers and take away their benefits and and fail to pay uh, for the um, for for the time that people uh, have actually worked this is something that is particularly a problem uh, in communities of color and with the undocumented workers and and folks uh, in more informal parts of the economy. And so I think that the AG needs to be really a workers champion and a consumer champion uh, and stand up for civil rights in some of those ways.
0: You mentioned um, wage theft. When you look at the relationship between employers and employees, would you say that's the biggest issue that the attorney general would probably have to look into right now? Or are there other kind of problems with that relationship?
1: I think that uh, that we want to build an economy that works for everyone, um, and that includes workers, that includes uh, small businesses, um, and so uh, I do think that uh, standing up for workers uh, and being, um, uh, you know, aggressive in enforcing the fair labor laws uh, is an important role for the Attorney General. But we also talked about healthcare costs. I think that healthcare costs are something um, that put a huge burden on uh, small businesses um, and, uh, and and have a disproportionate uh, impact on. uh, lower income uh, and lower uh, network net wealth wealth individuals um, has a has a disproportionate impact on communities of color Um, so I think we need to be uh, thinking about the economy as a whole I think that we need the transportation system uh, to work well I think that we see large disparities in access to education and worker training and so I I think that there's a a whole series of things um, that both the AG and uh, other parts of the state government can do to sort of broaden out our economic prosperity um, and make uh, the economy work uh, for uh, workers and for small businesses.
0: I know a lot of our listeners consist of a strong contingent of the north central Massachusetts business community. And if elected, can you spell out a little bit more about how your office could assist them with reaching their full economic development potential? I know you talked about health care and some other issues, but I think some folks, it's kind of hard to connect the dots to say, how can the attorney general help my business directly and help me reach my better economic development potential?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. And you know, I've now served twice in the U.S. Department of Commerce, and um, you know, I think that uh, working with uh, business businesses and uh, creating a healthy economy is something that's going to um, help everybody across uh, the economic spectrum. Um, I think that uh, you know the AG office um, can help uh, businesses um, who are sometimes being uh, disadvantaged because unscrupulous uh, members of you know competitors of theirs. Um, mistreat workers or are not um, uh, not playing by the rules. I think that our doors will always be open um, to small businesses, will always be open to businesses across uh, the economy. Um, and uh, you know what we really want to do is uh, focus on fairness, uh, making sure that the rules are clear. Um, and that uh, that the rules are, are fairly enforced um, and create a, a climate um, that works for for everyone and and when, when i talk about uh, some of the consumer protection role um, you know a lot of times uh you know in this economy it's the very uh biggest uh imp- You know, Uber and Lyft are are coming into Massachusetts and trying to uh, misclassify workers, take away their benefits. I think we're going to see hundreds of millions of dollars, or at least many millions of dollars uh, spent on this ad campaign uh, in connection with this referendum. I think the AG office has done a good job of standing up against uh, big banks um, and insurance companies uh, when they've exploited uh, consumer protection rules. But in a lot of cases um, with smaller businesses, there are, there are a lot more opportunities uh, to work uh, hand in hand um, to make sure that, uh, that, that everyone is, is succeeding in this economy.
0: The Commonwealth has set a goal of 2050 for net zero carbon emissions. Last month, Attorney General Morey Haley had to strike down a pair of Brookline uh, bylaws that were aimed at attempting to restrict the use of natural gas in new buildings, citing them as conflicting with state laws, regardless of her policy views. As the Commonwealth moves towards that emissions target, what role do you see the Attorney General's office playing on that particular issue?
1: So I think that we need to bring a sense of urgency to the fight against the climate crisis. Um, and that includes both the kind of traditional um, uh, lawsuits against polluters that the AG office has been so successful in bringing um, and working as a partner um, with business to try to usher in the transition to a clean energy economy. And there are lots of opportunities for the AG office to be uh, a a major voice in that transition um, to uh, wind and solar and other forms of renewable energy. And, you know, uh, the, the thing is that these are the jobs of the future, not only is this an absolute necessity uh, for uh, the future of our planet, uh, but it's a huge economic opportunity, and we're in a, we're in a race uh, with China and some other countries. Um, to build uh, the jobs and industries of the future, and if we invest in that kind of innovation and in that transition to a clean energy economy, that's going to that's going to create whole industries. It's going to have huge uh, multiplier effects throughout our economy. And so we really can do well by doing good um, in this in this space. Um, and so again, as with some of the other areas that we're talking about, I think that the AG needs to play a role and bring. Urgency um, to this uh, critical policy area, but also needs to set uh, rules of the road that are fair, um, that allow everybody uh, to get a a fair a fair shake in the changing rules, um, and uh, and I think that if we do that the right way. Uh, This can be a huge economic opportunity for Massachusetts, um, and I think it's absolutely the right direction to go in.
0: And when it comes to policy, whether it's climate change or health care or any other issue, do you believe the AG's office uh, really has a chance to impact policy?
1: I do absolutely think so, and I think that's especially true in a world where uh the federal government is is broken um congress is is incredibly dysfunctional um in this area and we've seen you know at the international level how difficult it's going to be to get everybody on the same page and so i think if you think about where are the solutions going to come from uh, for our most urgent, uh, challenges and, and climate being, uh, one of the, the, the biggest challenges that we face. I think that's going to be, uh, from the States. Um, and we've seen, uh, the States, uh, step up over and over again. Massachusetts has been a wonderful leader throughout our history. The constitution was born here. We were at the heart of the abolitionist movement. Uh, we led the way on equal marriage. We led the way on universal access to health care. on one issue after another, after another, uh, the Massachusetts, uh, government has been a real leader our industries are at the cutting edge we have some of the best uh, life sciences and uh, universities and and healthcare institutions Uh, and uh, you know so we've been at the forefront of so many different things and I think that it's really important uh, for us to lead on the transition to a clean energy economy and for us to use uh, the bully pulpit of the office um, to bring that sense of urgency uh, to the conversation to push uh, Beacon Hill in that direction to push the public conversation uh, towards urgent climate action Um, and then also to walk the walk as we're um, enforcing environmental protection laws as we uh, oversee uh, you know some of the the energy and utility uh, industries as we think about uh, environmental justice and the disproportionate impact that uh, that environmental pollution has on communities of color as we give advice to uh, to government agencies uh, we need uh, climate uh, action to be at the forefront of our mind.
0: I do want to shift the conversation just a little bit in terms of topics. Last month, the Attorney General's office announced the establishment of a new Conviction Integrity Unit. When it comes to equity, is this new unit the best way to better serve underserved members of the population who are often disproportionately affected by the criminal justice system here in Massachusetts and across the country?
1: So I think that we've seen um, over and over again, uh, George Floyd's murder and the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict are just the most recent reminders that there are two justice systems systems in America and I think that there is an urgent need um, to reform the way that we think about uh, criminal justice um, so that spans a number of different aspects of uh, the policy landscape and the AG's role we in 2018 uh, the legislature passed a number of important criminal justice uh, reforms but there is a lot more to do uh, to disrupt the uh, the school to prison pipeline um, to invest in uh, Uh, interventions uh, for folks uh, who are on a pathway uh, towards criminal justice involvement through summer jobs programs through cognitive behavioral therapy through investment in substance use disorder treatments and mental health treatments investing in communities making sure that we uh, are are giving people uh, the mental health uh, services or the stable housing services that they need we're not gonna arrest and incarcerate our way out of uh, the social challenges like uh, the opioid crisis or or mental health uh, kinds of challenges we need to be uh, taking head-on some of the structural uh, racism and some of the structural uh, disparities in our economy and our society uh, that lead to those uh, outcomes Um, and so we we need to be shifting our thinking and there's a wonderful uh, movement, um, that we think of as the progressive prosecutor movement, uh, which is, uh, to, um, start thinking in innovative ways about how to use the discretion, uh, that pro- prosecutors have, uh, to, uh, try to break down, uh, the stru- structural, disparities, um, in, in outcomes, um, and, uh, to use evidence, uh, to assess in real time. Uh, what's working and what's not. Um, And I think that, uh, overall, uh, we need to be moving away uh, from uh, incarceration as uh, the primary uh, outcome of of these interventions. Um, If you look at the the United States relative to other uh, similarly affluent countries, the percentage of our population that's incarcerated is uh, is much, much higher. Um, Massachusetts is lower than a lot of other states, um, but we're quite a bit higher um, than a lot of uh, countries that we would think of as Uh, appears in in other kinds of ways. And so I think that we have a lot of work to do uh, to disrupt that. You've also seen a huge trend from 1972 or so forward uh, in terms of the percentage of the adult population um, that is either incarcerated or on probation or parole. Um, And so uh, we're doing something wrong. Um, And then if you look at that from the perspective of racial justice, there are huge racial disparities in terms of who uh, ends up uh, engaged in the criminal justice system. So there's a lot that we need to do uh, to move forward uh, with reforms to uh, criminal justice uh, and policing and uh, treatment of of folks who are incarcerated. Um, The attorney general is not the... Uh, the primary prosecutor in in Massachusetts, a lot of the frontline prosecution decisions are made uh by district attorneys a lot of the oversight of uh the incarcerated uh folks is 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 by the the sheriffs and, and by federal authorities um, and so the ag's role is a little bit more limited in terms of the actual implementation uh, of those those policies you certainly want the ag to be walking the walk and to be taking some of those approaches to the extent uh, that we do bring criminal cases, but I think the AG has a really important role to play um, in thought leadership um, and in uh, setting the agenda for uh, criminal justice reform and and other kinds of racial justice initiatives, working with the legislature um, and uh, and really helping to kind of shift our thinking um, in terms of how we're going to grapple with these really complicated uh, structural challenges in our society.
0: You mentioned uh, kind of being a thought leader and working with the legislature. How important is it to get some of these um, individuals from these, um, from these impacted populations around the table for these kinds of conversations?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, when you think about uh, uh, racial justice, you need to make sure that that is not only a set of policies, but it's also a set of, of processes. And I think there are a couple of things that the AG office uh, can and must do Uh, to make sure that that uh, works properly. The first is community engagement. Um, So it's very important for the attorney general's office um, to be engaging with communities all across uh, the Commonwealth. Um, Too often, um, you know, the state agencies have a tendency uh, to focus mostly on the greater Boston area. And we need to be out in every geographic community. Uh, We need to be really very Uh, aggressive and and, uh, proactive in terms of engaging uh, with uh, the communities that are most in need of our services to have uh, a lot of uh, language uh, you know, language access, uh, and, 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 engagement with communities of color be really proactive and the, in the old days. Um, it used to be, uh, that, uh, you know, the AG office would tend to respond, uh, to the complaints that came in and that, uh, tended to be, uh, the folks who knew how to navigate the system and were disproportionately, uh, more, um, Uh, more affluent communities that would get the services to the office. We really need to flip that script and be uh, very proactive in terms of community engagement. Then the second thing is you need uh, for the office to reflect uh, the diversity of uh, the state as a whole. Um, And that needs to start at the leadership level. We need a diverse leadership team uh, that looks like the Commonwealth as a whole. Um, but that's also true at every level of the office. And this is a challenge um, that we see across uh, the legal profession. Um, so it's certainly a, a, a difficulty that we see in uh, the law schools and in the um, in the early phases of uh, of the legal profession. And so that means um, that you really need to make a, an effort to ensure that we're recruiting a diverse and qualified uh, pool of attorneys and non-attorney staff within the attorney general's office to make sure that the office reflects Uh, the diversity of the Commonwealth as a whole and is able to uh, look at, uh, look at these issues um, from uh, a diverse uh, and inclusive perspective. So that's, that needs to be baked in uh, from the very beginning. It needs to be a tone that's set from the top.
0: I am going to put you on the clock with 60 seconds. Uh, If you were to convince our listeners why you should have their vote for the primary. And then again, in November, starting now, what would you have to say?
1: Thanks so much, it's a real pleasure to be here. So um, I I think that uh, my experience uh, is the best suited for this role. I think it's really important um, to have an attorney general um, who has managed uh, large numbers of uh, government attorneys, who has worked in the attorney general's office and understands how to use uh, the AG office as a tool for standing up for consumers and workers and for civil rights. I think that's especially important in a moment uh, where uh congress is broken and where we need the states uh to lead on issues like racial justice the climate crisis uh rebuilding our democracy workers rights reproductive rights lgbtq rights student loan debt and gun violence uh we need an attorney general Uh, who can bring urgency uh, to those kinds of challenges and to build on the wonderful success that we've had out of the AG office in the past. Um, And uh, I think that I have the skills uh, that put me in a position to be ready on day one uh, from the work that I've done in the Attorney General's office and in in the administrations of President Obama and uh, Biden to really fulfill that mission uh, and stand up for the people of the Commonwealth on day one.
0: Now, Quentin, where can listeners go for more information about your campaign and about your platform?
1: Thanks, Travis. So please join us at www.QuentinPalfrey.com. Uh, we want to run a really uh, diverse and inclusive uh, grassroots campaign all across uh, the Commonwealth. Um, this is the kind of campaign that will respect and empower and include uh, volunteers and voters across the state. And so we'd love you to join our campaign and our movement. Um, uh, so please reach out to us at uh, QuentinPalfrey.com. And thanks so much for for uh, having me today, Travis.
0: You're very welcome, and this has been another episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast election series. Quentin, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about your platform as a Democratic candidate in the race for Attorney General. Quentin Palfrey is scheduled to be in the Democratic primary on September 6th. The general election is slated for November 8th. Quentin, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.